listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. To win championships, you've got to have a championship organization. Brexit. What a pass to Anders. A team follow. Toy branch fires. She converts. Rhymes again. Of Shida. Hello and welcome to another episode of Pod Slamajama presented by Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Andy Anas, and you can find me on Twitter at Ayanas underscore five has spent the previous two seasons covering the University of Houston athletics beat for the Daily Cougar and now transitioning over to cover them for Apollo Media this uh, 2020, no, I'm behind, 2021-22 season. It's all been a blur, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dayon. Take it away. What's good, y'all? I'm your second host, Dayon Dunlap. Been covering UA Sports since 2016. It's my second season being the color commentator for all of UH women's home games. I'm excited, man. UH, sports is back. We've got a lot of sports to talk about. We've got some men's, we've got some women's hoops, some football, I'm excited, man. What's up, Andy? Nothing much. Day on, like you said, we're we're right into kind of the, at least with in terms of our coverage, kind of the UH Athletics Equinox with, like you mentioned, basketball for both the men's and women's has tipped off. Certainly, they they've had some interesting games, both of them, to start their season. The football team. That's where we're going to start. But they they literally just clinched a spot in the American Athletic Championship game. The first time since 2015, the first American Athletic Championship game ever the University of Houston was a part of. They won that contest. Now, here they are six years later back in the championship game guaranteed. And I mean, there's still a lot of football left. We'll, we'll get into that. But for sure, this is, this is honestly the best time of the year. There's so much to cover, so much to talk about. So honestly, it should just fly by. Yeah, it should. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And also be sure to follow the official Apollo Media account on Twitter. That's at Apollo H-O-U. So, Dan, let's get right into it. We'll start with the UH football team, who, like we mentioned, uh, just off the heels of a dominating performance against Temple in their game. Uh, this Saturday, we're recording this November 13th, where really, I mean, for the first half, it, it seemed kind of like Houston was kind of going through the motions a little bit with a team like Temple that honestly, they were heavy favorites coming into the game. They were expected to just run them over and they were only up 10 at halftime. It was 10 nothing at the break. And really give credit to Temple's defense. They, they were certainly at times where they were just swarming. They were doing a good job of stopping UH's run game. Uh, and whenever Houston would would be able to whenever Temple would have breakdowns on defense, Houston wasn't necessarily capitalizing fully on some of those occasions. I know there were it was a questionable call at the end of the first half where it might have been a touchdown for Nathaniel Dell that ultimately was not called, and and Houston ended up settling for a field goal that it ended up missing, um, which was only a ten point lead at, at halftime. But the, the second half completely different, much more of what was expected, complete and utter domination by the UH football team, and ultimately they won. 37 to eight and another great performance by Clayton Toon where, you know, I looked up this stat and Clayton Toon hasn't thrown an interception since October 1st against Tulsa. 
since then, he has played several games where he has played clean football, no picks. And I asked him about that after the game. And what he said was it had a lot to do with, with just the mental approach of the game. He's doing, he said he feels much more comfortable going through all the reads, not being in a hurried. And, and, and to what makes it more, more impressive with what we've heard Dana Hogerson talk about over this time is that he he's done it. Certainly during the, the early parts, he was even doing it through hamstring injury that has been bothering him for much of that season after that second game against Rice. So very impressive performance by him. Of course, the running back, when we're talking about offense, Alton McCaskill, who's honestly, he's done it the entire season for much of it. He had another strong rushing performance, rushed for 129 yards and had a couple of two touchdowns to go along with that performance Dayon, what were your takeaways from this game before we get into some of the post-game talk from the players and Dana Hogerson? I mean, pretty much everything you said, but to like to sum it all up in different words, them playing complementary football, the running game is complementing the passing game and vice versa. I, I think Clayton Toon is a huge was beneficiary is a huge beneficiary of the solid run game. Back-to-back 100-yard games, the offensive line now is protecting him well. And I, I think they're both just playing, they're complementing each other well, the running game and the passing game. And Clayton, he just looks, he looks comfortable in the pocket and he looks confident. And I think it is him being comfortable in the system, kind of knowing what to do and not just pacing. I think at times, and I think it was good for him to have the adversity that he faced early in those first two games and the picks that he's thrown and him not turning the ball over in such a long period of time like you just mentioned. I think it just bodes well. And it really shows how much the coaching staff has confidence in him. And I think that confidence plays and goes into his playing. And he plays with that confidence knowing that he has full support from the coaching staff and his teammates. And the defense dominated just, just like we expect them to and just like they've done. They played a, a really good game, not giving up – what was the total? Eight points total. And so yeah. it, 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 was, it, it was an impressive game. Slow start, but as long as you get the dub in the end. No, for sure. Eight points allowed for the entire game. They picked off Temple's quarterback three times and Donovan Mutant after the game was asked about it. And he said, I mean, it's, it's impressive. It's good for, for the, you know, the cornerbacks for the safeties, all that secondary of the team. But he honestly, he, he went back to and give credit to Mutant because all his answers today after post game were really, honestly, they were, wise beyond honestly any college students years he's certainly one of the wise uh, players that they have on the team and j- just hearing him talk you could yeah, honestly it seems like he might be a 10-year man in the nfl with the way his answers are are given but he gave a lot of credit to uh, going back to honestly what he said all season long with just the way that they approached things um Going back to January, when they got back following last season, they got were preparing for this season. And he said from that point forward, there was a change in mentality in this team. They, they, I mean, going back to Doug Bell, because it's something that they practice day in and day out. So they're not necessarily impressed by it. In fact, and more, more so they, they expect this type of performance, picking off a Temple's quarterback three times and really, like you said, dominating only eight points uh, for the entire game is pretty pretty stellar now uh one quickly i wanted to to mention obviously the headline of this game is that U of H has clinched a spot in the american athletic conference championship game they're waiting uh in all likelihood it'll probably be cincinnati although they haven't officially clinched uh their spot in the conference championship yet uh, i believe that'll be dependent on the results of their remaining uh 
conference games. They still have to play SMU, who beat uh, UCF today on Saturday. And and ECU, I believe, is East Carolina is still alive in the mix for that um, American Athletic Conference Championship berth, although it's a long shot for them. So if Cincinnati can take care of business once they, they play SMU, which I believe that's going to be next week, um, give me a quick second to, to confirm that. But I mean, Houston has their spot secured, and obviously – um, like you said, that's one of the goals that, that they had in mind. But what Dana Hogerson said when he was asked about it, what the message to his team is on being able to clinch that spot. Uh, I was impressed by his answer. He said, it's not our focus right now. It's a, it, it was a goal they had to begin the season. He was proud of his guys. But the way he dubbed it, he said, we have unfinished business. There's still a lot of football left to be played. And immediately his turn was to Memphis, who a bit of a short week, they play them on Friday night at TDCU Stadium, the final regular season home game of this campaign. And I mean, Houston has not beaten Memphis in five straight contests. They've lost five in a row to Memphis. And obviously the Tigers not necessarily having us as good as years that they've had in the past, but that just right there has been kind of a rivalry game and, and really finally an opportunity for Houston to have a big show out turnout during their Friday game, their senior night. There's going to be a lot of buzz. And I just found it interesting how he quickly turned the page and didn't want to make too much of it. Uh, he obviously said he's proud of his team because that was one of their goals when they, they started the season, but the, he's, the way he dubbed it, the job's not finished yet is what, um, Deontay Anderson said after the game as well. So the whole team kind of seems focused on finishing off the regular season strong before they, they look at whoever they have to play in the American athletic and uh, the American athletic conference championship game. And, and it's good that um, th- they don't seem satisfied with the achievement that they have getting to this point, because I think, and that's a good thing. I think just the standard is higher than what it seems on the outside looking in, because I think they know the potential in which they can reach and which Houston has been there before. And so, I mean, you definitely want to celebrate your small victory, but in the grand scheme of things, in the bigger picture, you're going into the big 12 soon. So you're going to be competing against different competition. And it's a lot of recruiting. It's a lot of different things. I feel like that goes into it, but it's a great thing to hear from top to bottom, from the coach down, then the players um, echoing that same message. And so I'm excited with the direction the football team is going. I, I feel like they will. I think they should went out and just their schedule was very favorable. And so, I mean, it had been a huge, Who's disappointed not winning the amount of games that they won this season based on the schedule that they played. Right, for sure. And then just getting back to what I said earlier, next week, November 20th, Houston, I mean, not Houston, SMU and Cincinnati will face off. If Cincinnati beats SMU, they'll officially clinch a spot in the American Athletic Conference championship game. They'll be in there. We'll face Houston. If SMU can knock off Cincinnati, which would be a, a big upset with, honestly, obviously Cincinnati is one of the teams that would, they're, they're having college football aspirations. Obviously, it, it, it kind of seems like they're a little bit, um, you know, fighting against um, fighting an uphill battle to try to, to be one of those final four teams in the college football playoff. So that they're going to be laser and they're going to be focused. They can't afford to drop any of these games. But if SMU right. can pull off the upset, that that would guarantee that Houston will actually host the American Athletic Conference Championship game, which would be huge for Houston, um, yep. especially with, with a crazy season that that. Really, it's been um, the way it started. Uh, 
kind of disappointing up 21-7 against Texas Tech and failing to score that second half, getting shut out at just a complete turnaround. I know we when we talked about early in the, in the schedule, sorry, Dan, I'll let, you, I'll let you finish, but when we talked early in the schedule, we expected them to have certainly double-digit wins. I think we, I certainly, I think I had picked 10-2 or 9-3 around there, but the, the, from the way the season started to how they've been able to turn around and, and take care of business against this team, it's certainly impressive, and it I know people kind of discredit them with the, the level of competition, but they're doing what they're supposed to. And that's, that's the first step right there to, to turning the, co- the culture, the program around doing what you're supposed to do. And, and they've done it this season. Yeah. I was just going to say, I was just picking back and right off your point when you were talking about Texas take, I was about to say by a team that ended up firing their coach during the season and hiring a new head coach. And so, um, it really was just going right into your point of beating the teams that they should be. And I feel like Texas Tech was one of those teams. Yeah, for sure. So when we're talking about, obviously, what they've accomplished now, they have that American Athletic Championship game locked in. They should, want- be rooting, they should be rooting for Cincinnati as well. I think yeah. they should hope Cincinnati is undefeated. And then when they meet in the, the championship game, if you beat Cincinnati, then that's a big win. And then you're in the New Year's, New Year's Bowl. And, and, and that's a huge bump from just the entire program going just going to getting back to that point and then going into the Big 12. Mm-hmm. That'd be huge. No, for sure. You mentioned it. I mean, there, there's a lot of rumors and speculation regarding that move to the Big 12 right now. I mean, when exactly that would occur. And it, it's kind of interesting to put where where kind of the quick turnaround that, that's happened with this football program, especially in terms of the way fans have have kind of their reaction, their opinions of this team. Obviously, going back to that Texas Tech game, it seemed like it was at an all-time low. And right now, it's honestly at an all-time high. Certainly, the past couple of seasons, probably since Tom Herman left, to be honest, that where just the excitement for this football team it is. I wanted to go back to, to that Texas Tech loss because Donovan Newton mentioned it. He said, after that loss, it, it obviously it, it bothered the team because it was one of the, it was a game that they felt they let slip away. They should have won that game. And if you ask anyone on that football team, they feel like they should be undefeated at this point uh, sure. with the way that game went. But Mutant said that the team kind of rallied around. They got together. They said, we're tired of losing. We're not going to lose anymore. And I mean, they've done it. They showed out. They've they've. You know what they say, you you can talk all you want, but it doesn't mean anything. You can't back it up. Houston has certainly walked the walk and they've backed up their speak with what they've been able to do. Now have won nine in a row and literally are one win away from once again, finishing double digit with a double digit win season. And like I said, obviously the big goal right there locked in an AEC championship game appearance. That is that'd be huge. I, I think then if they get to that point, you know how in previous episodes we talked about how Houston crowds really only supports winning teams as far as coming out to massive crowds. I think if they get to that point and it's here in Houston to get to good Cincinnati team, I think it'll be a, a sold out crowd in which the last time I seen it here um in Houston was against Louisville at TDSU Stadium. That was, was the, the biggest crowd that I've seen. And so I think it it'll be similar to that. And 
I mean, when you with success comes expectation. Now they've had success. They are expecting to win these um the next couple of games and then play Cincinnati, in which they will expect to win and compete. And so I, I'm definitely um have to give Coach Hogerson and entire coaching staff their flowers because when they're losing, we all criticize them and rightfully so. And now they're having success. Uh, I think he's done an outstanding job this season. Alton McCaskill has – he's he's definitely looked like a, a complete back. we got to give him a ton of credit. He looks different out there. You can tell he was well, – that's why he was recruited by so many different programs because yeah. the, the kid can ball, man. He's a three-down back. He can do hand it inside, outside. He got speed. He can make you miss in the open field. He can catch. And so, I mean – and then I, I love the one-two punch with him and Tajon Henry because they complement each other so well. I, it's the, the team is playing a really good, sound offense right now. Clayton Toon isn't turning it over, in which that's the main thing. He isn't turning it over. It's times where he has pressure and a little pressure, and he just takes a sack, just lives for the next play, and that's good for him. The maturation for him not taking a shot, trying to extend the play, or just doing anything and making a mistake. I think he's not playing careful, but he's managing the game well. He's doing an outstanding job, and he's making plays. And I think uh, Carter um, is going to, like you said, he's out for the season, so other receivers are going to have to step up. I know Aaron got a long, Aaron got a long touchdown today. I think more playmakers will step up. Herslow has had some big catches this season, so. They've been able to spread the ball. Uh, Seth Green had a career day in his um, time at Houston during his, this season. And so, Trahan, the offense is good. The defense is is, is different. We know that. And so, I, I can't wait to see. I hope they take care of business this next couple of weeks. And then Cincinnati take care of business. And that's the game I want to see. Uh, yeah, you mentioned that you kind of did a good job of promoting it a little bit just in terms of and not to get too far ahead of ourselves because there's still two games left on the schedule with Memphis and and UConn to end the regular season. But if they can get there and say it plays out how most would expect it now, I will say this. I think that Cincinnati SMU game is going to be a lot more close. It'll be a good game, especially with the way you know, Cincinnati is. It's hard to say the struggles because they're undefeated at this point, but they haven't necessarily been as dominant as you know, you would expect them to be in terms of what they've showed that kind of their ceiling is when what they were able to do going into Notre Dame and beating them. Um, they've not to, and I hate to phrase it this way, not that they've been a letdown or anything, but they haven't necessarily felt like they've played up to, to what that ceiling, what they showed they can be. And SMU, they showed today against UCF that their, their offenses, they have some crazy firepower. And if, do. Cincinnati, if Cincinnati doesn't bring their, their a, a game, it's going to be a tough outing for, for Cincinnati and, and maybe SMU pulls off the upset. And like I said, if that happens and Houston can take care of business with uh, Memphis on Friday, they will have clinched a uh, home field advantage in that championship game. So there's still a lot to play for and it'll be interesting. Okay. Even, okay. even if Cincinnati uh, wins out and both of these teams are undefeated in conference when they meet, if they meet in the American athletic conference championship game, Houston would have to travel up to Cincinnati for that game. But yep. I mean, th- th- like you mentioned, that'll be a perfect opportunity for Houston, Dana Horgerson to really put Houston on a map, say, you know, we weren't a product of our schedule. This is, this is who we are, where we belong on the national stage is something that mutants said after the game, right. you know, they can, if they can, you know, 
honestly shock the world and ruin any chances Cincinnati would have at, at the college football playoffs. That would be an impressive win. And, and whatever happens, however fast Houston joins the Big 12, it'll certainly be, build momentum for, for that program. And recruiting and, and Dana Hogerson would have done a completely, uh, complete turnaround to where the program was at. Literally, uh, I mean, where it felt it was at after that Texas Tech game is crazy. What how big yeah. of a turnaround that could be it just goes to show how quickly things can change in, in the world of sports and even in college football in general it's it's absurd if you can pull it off but again we're getting a little too ahead of ourselves like uh all the players Dana Hogerson themselves mentioned first is the game against Memphis they, they like you said they have a five-game losing streak against the Tigers uh and they, they need to take care of business to put themselves in the best position possible for whatever happens in that championship game and and clinch a double-digit win season for the first time in, since the Tom Herman era. Day um, on, before we wrap it up, I'll, I'll kind of let you have the final word. What what was your biggest takeaway from either what, what was said post-game from the players, Hoverson, or just from the game in general? I think the the message from both Coach Hogerson and the players was the, the biggest thing for me. The job is not done. I mean, we're happy with where we are. We expect to be where we are. But like they said, the job isn't done. They still have more business to take care of to get to ultimately where they want to be. And so that, that, that same message and the echoing down from Coach Hogerson throughout the players, that, that was my biggest takeaway. And they came out and they've been winning the games as you're supposed to do. That's that's what good teams do. And after that meltdown against Texas Tech, it was a complete 360. They turned around, haven't looked back since. And I think they'll keep rolling and wait and hope Cincinnati keep rolling. I hope they do because I want Cincinnati to be undefeated and Houston to take care of business and may the best team win. But a couple more games, but – yeah, we'll continue continuing on here on Pod Slam Jammer. We're gonna talk about some basketball. The men's basketball is now two and zero, so we'll talk some men's hoops coming up. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code Launch for ten percent off at checkout. Apollo HOU, all Houston, all original. And we are back here on Pod Slam Jamma, your home for UH Athletics. Like Dayon mentioned at the end of our first segment, uh, we're going to talk hardwood, what happened to the men's basketball team who had a bit of an interesting start to the season after opening the game, uh, opening the 2021-22 season at Fertitta Center against Hofstra, a game that probably before once the schedule released from a fan perspective, from an outside perspective, a lot of people were probably thinking that it was going to be a, a more of an easier game than it was for Houston. And it, it was interesting. They trailed for much of that game and were down by as many as 13 at midway through the second half. But kudos to the Cougars. They clawed back in that contest. Tajay Moore had that, that you know, late game heroics with the shot he had uh, in the final seconds to force overtime. And once they got into overtime, Houston was able to take over and, you know, come away with the win against Hofstra. And then, like they uh, mentioned, coming off uh, the game, Coming off that game, they followed it another Friday night game against Rice, which was completely different, a completely lopsided affair, utter domination by Houston. And, you know, after the game, Kelvin Sampson talked about how that opening regular season game against Hofstra was the perfect thing for Houston, that they, they kind of got 
punch a bit in the in the mouth to kind of open the season. I'd get a good taste of honestly what you would expect off a team coming off the final four that they're not going to be an off night for any team. It doesn't matter whether they're, you know, if you're playing Memphis once they get into conference play, who we know that rivalry, that always brings a certain spark to the game. Or if you're playing, um, you know, any other team, they know what you accomplished last season, even though the players might be different. Houston has kind of become a, a brand now, especially in terms of the program with Kelvin Sampson, they, a lot of coaches around the, the nation and even media across the country respect Houston for what they've been able to do, respect Kelvin Sampson for the way he's been able to build the program here. And they're going to bring their A game night in and night out. And I think it was a good kind of eye opener for Houston to, to get get tested early and, and really to be able to, to hang on and win that game the way they did was a good uh, Kelvin Sampson said it, it showed their culture right there. That's what they relied on to come back and win. And even so to respond the way they did against Rice shows even more day on. What were your takeaways from what they've seen the first two games of the season to start? Um, pretty much what coach coach Sampson said, I think their first game woke them up and, uh, in a sense, I mean, not that they weren't awake and ready to play. And that's definitely not the case. But I think it was just – it was a good start of the season, getting a good test and just having adversity in the first game of the season and have them fight back and fight back. And um, a person who you didn't mention was J. Ron Roberts. That was the, the guy who came in off the bench. Coach Sampson went to Fabian at the five and J. Ron at the four. And both of those – players um, in the combination played well together and Jay Runner, he just dominated on the boards and started cleaning it up because Houston was playing good defense. It was just those second chance opportunities, which led mm-hmm. a lot of times led to threes. And that's how Hofstra was able to get up and their guard, uh, I believe his last name was Crossman. He had a really good game. And so I think that that game prepared them for Rice. They came in and were ready to play just like they are. I feel like Coach Sampson always has them ready to play. And um, they just dominated. They didn't look ahead to their next game, which Virginia is going to be on the East PN, a national televised game. And it's going to be a good game. I, I think it's both of these um, programs are, are similar. I think when Coach Sampson talked this week, he's going to give a lot of praise um, to Coach Bennett over there and the things that he's been able to do and how, how they played and the success that they had. The transfer Gardner who came over from East Carolina, he averaged a double-double. Um, during his time in American, and he's a really good player. He's at Virginia now, but Virginia had a good test early too. They lost actually their first game to Navy. Yeah, yeah and so they hungry. They bounce back in their next game against Rafford, but they're going to be hungry, especially coming in Houston. They want to prove something. They saw that Hofstra game, so I'm pretty sure they are, they're going to be even confident. But not even looking at that game, just the fact that they took a loss coming in early in this season and they're going to be they're, they're, it's going to be a good game I think it's going to be an early test but I, I'm very 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 excited for that game I, Marcus Sasser I think he, he plays his best when the lights are shining bright and if he has a good game uh, I, I'm loving the chance it's a, it's a lot of things that I want to talk about going into that game what are your expectations looking for going into this Virginia matchup no, I think you hit a lot of the big key points there. It's starting to be a star-studded affair. I mean, it's it's going to be the number one game on ESPN on Tuesday night. Like, Jay Bidless is going to be calling the game for ESPN. So, that just goes to show how, how big of a deal is going to be not only here in Houston or in Virginia, just nationally. There's going to be a lot of eyes drawn to this game. Like you mentioned, Marcus Sasser um, certainly always seems to play well whenever it's these kind of games where a lot of eyeballs are on him. Just going back last season, 
he had his best games in the final four in the elite eight. And he, he was the only player that, that had brought his a game or played well against Baylor in that final four. And he, even going back earlier the season when they played Texas tech, he showed, he showed out in that game. And so far in the season, he's had a, a really good start to the season. Going back to, to last night against rice, he, Finished. He was the leading scorer for the game. He finished with 26 points, hit five of his threes, and really is kind of ongoing in that process of kind of taking the next step. He also had five assists, which is something he said uh, before the regular season started has been a, a point of emphasis for him being much more of a you know versatile player in terms of not only being able to score. He's comfortable with that. He knows he can he can score. He can get his shot whenever he wants to be. He wants to be able to do much more and be able to set up his teammates. That's one of the goals that he had to be able to to grow and take that next next step as he obviously is going to be pursuing uh, the pro game. He wants to play in the NBA once he's done playing here with Houston. But you mentioned Virginia, what that goal is going to be. I think you know, mentioning that Texas Tech game is going to be a lot similar to what that was a season ago. And and yeah, going in Houston's favor is going to be after Tita Center. So they're going to have that going for them. I think it'll be a, another good challenge and I think Houston's had an interesting start where they've they've played a nail biter where, like you mentioned, Virginia wasn't able to survive their kind of scare game. Houston was able to survive theirs and, and pick up the win. I think it'll be an interesting point. Like you said, there are teams that are really similar to where they've been and what they've been able to build the past couple of seasons. So I honestly, I expect it to be a good game. And I, I, I expect it to be another nail biter similar to the Hoster game where these are two powerhouses and it's going to come down to the final possessions in the second half. And that's what I would expect. I'd be interested to see how Houston can do once again down the stretch. They did it well against Hofstra. I, I wonder how they can do it against, um, you know, Virginia, how they can play well down the stretch if it's a crunch time game. Uh, and even then, something that not to I'll, I'll let you get your point in day on, but something that Houston is going to kind of have against them is they're already pretty banged up in terms of what they have. Um, Injury wise, like we knew Tremont Mark, who has been really dealing with a shoulder injury for much of uh, that's kept them out of the early regular season. Uh, Calvin Sampson said that it happened after the scrimmage that they had against uh, Texas, according to Sampson. And it's it's bothered Tremont Mark to a point where they've they've held him out and not want him to do any basketball related activities until he gets cleared by the trainer, John Houston, to to be able to start working out again. Robbie Armbrester, he didn't even he wasn't even at the game last night against Rice. because He had to get an injection in his knee and he had to keep his leg elevated. That's how bad his injury was. And Ramon, Ramon Walker didn't play either. He has a tendon injury in his arm, which in his hand, which. Um, Calvin Sampson said where that really affects Houston is their depth in terms of practice, you know, not being able to fully be able to have enough people to be able to practice the way they like to do. And obviously the big name right there, uh, not to take away from any of the other players, is Tremont Mark because of the key role that obviously the experience that he brought last season, but he was expected to to be obviously in the starting lineup this season. He just hasn't been able to get any minutes so far because of that injury. So Houston a bit a bit banged up as they, they get head into that third game of the season against Virginia. Yep. Yep. And um, it is, I think that, that definitely is a factor to what they're doing, but one lineup, the one thing that coach Sampson does outstanding job on which he said is 
he, he doesn't go in with a, a concrete. He's going to play X amount of player for X amount of minutes. He he adjusts to the game. He watches the game and he get the players they need to play in the game based off how it's going. And one player who's been in the game but playing key minutes is Jamal Shedd. He hasn't put up good, well, a big scoring numbers that would just jump off the stat line, but he's been on the floor in key moments. He's yeah. on the floor in key moments against Hofstra, and what that does, that lets Marcus has to go off the ball and get in his original positions. And, well, no, I'm not, oh, I take that back. Not his original position, but because he's a, a guard that can do both. It, it allows him to play off ball in his original role with Houston, and which is what he's done since he's been at Houston. And then, and he's been making great decisions. Um, he had what, four assists against Hofstra, one turnover, and yeah, his basketball IQ is really good. And all it's going to continue to take is for him to continue to get experience on the floor, running the offense, and, and just playing in big time games. Because, like Coach Sampson said, that um, that moment in Hofstra probably was was the the biggest game that he's ever played in and so um game against Virginia is a bigger stage it's going to be a sold out crowd um Jay Billis ESPN national game and so I expect him to be on the floor in those key moments and to have a big game I I really like his game uh, I've been watching him since high school I had the chance to call a couple of his games in high school and so Jamal shares another player to keep an eye on, I think he's an X factor for this Houston team, especially with the injuries, like you mentioned, expect um, like Tremont Mark, who would uh, do a lot of scoring if he was on the floor. But until he's able to return, uh, they're going to have to keep shuffling the guards and finding their right matchup on a night to night basis. But one player who I think will be consistent in his role and continue to play a lot of minutes is Jamal Shedd. So. I want to I want to see how he um, reacts in that stage, and I, I expect Fabian to maybe have a breakout game. He knocked down um, a, a three against Rice, and know he's been working on his jump shot. But they like to isolate him on the right block, and they will go to him. and I like and his matchup against him and Gardner. That's a matchup I'm going to keep my eye on. I think yeah. Fabian is going to have to step up, and I, I know he can, and I expect that he will step on the big stage to kind of set the tone for the team. And so I'm looking forward to the matchup. I think it's going to be close, like you said. But Houston, um, Houston does what Houston does: uh, play hard, rebound, communicate on the defensive end. I'm really like the um, the way they've looked uh, in these first two games. Yeah, for sure. And like you mentioned, uh, just the way uh, Jamal Shen has been able to contribute. I remember after the exhibition game against um, Montana Tech, they asked Kelvin Sampson about Jamal Shedd. And what, what Sampson pointed out was you know, with Jamal Shedd, what they were looking at, uh, his offense has always been great, but they wanted to be a lot more. Le- he needed to catch up in terms of his defense, catch up where his offensive game has been. And you mentioned that he's played a lot of minutes early. It's it's kind of uh, he's kind of been forced to be in that role and kind of grow up, uh, grow up through through experience, uh, for lack of a better term. And and just going off what he did against Rice, he had three steals, and he certainly seems like he's improving day in and day out. Something Kelvin Sampson said last night was, you know, this is more in general of, of how he approaches the season, but he talked about how. He, he compared it to climbing a mountain and what he he said that after Houston beat Texas Tech last season, you know, he told them to keep climbing the mountain. You're never going to get to the top, but just keep climbing it. And I found that an interesting comparison to 
obviously it's it's barely the second game of the season. Houston is they're obviously they're they're good that they're two and zero, but what the, what Kelvin Sampson always says, the team that they have in November is going to be better in December, and the team in January is going to be better than what they were in December, and so on until they finally get to March, and it, it's just another way of expressing that where you know Houston prides itself on improving game by game, day by day, practice by practice. And honestly, if you ask Kelvin Sampson, probably hour by hour in terms of what they look at, he said that they spent three days, even on Friday before the Rice game, looking at that game film from Hofstra, just dissecting what they could have done better. And I'm sure they're doing the same thing for Rice. So it's going to be a good challenge against Virginia. It was going to be a good challenge, good measuring stick, iron choppers, ironing. Yeah, I, I look at this like a boxing analogy. You know, it's a lot of times big programs like these two um, don't really like to take those early tests early in the season. Like boxers don't take big fights early in their career because they want to protect that loss resume. But Houston nor Virginia, although they already took a loss, neither one of those programs ducks any competition. They always want to play the best of competition. So to see them face off early in the season is what what I like to see. And, and these two teams are, are very similar in the way they play. I, I cannot wait for that. Yeah, for sure. That's a perfect analogy. Uh, even last night, Calvin Sanders said that when they first announced that they had scheduled Hofstra for that first game of the regular season, he said that he had gotten texts from other coaches across the nation like, are you sure you want to you want to start the season against Hofstra just because they're one of those sneaky teams where when you look at, at a national perspective, even here at a local perspective, you don't really hear from Hofstra, but Calvin Sanders said they were they were a good team there. A strong team. He said he wouldn't be surprised if they make it to the NCAA tournament. And it was a good test. Like you mentioned, getting tested early is kind of a big point of emphasis for Houston. They don't duck anyone. They're, there's something Calvin yep. Sampson has said in the past. They're not afraid of playing anyone. And they 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 love each and every challenge. And like I said, Virginia is not going to be any different. And it should be a good match between two highly uh, nationally viewed teams on Tuesday night. It should. And speaking of earlier tests, the UH women's team took an early test on their trip to SFA. And we're going to go talk some women's hoops coming up here on Paul Slamma Jamma. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU. All Houston, all original. And we are back on Pod Slime Jamma, your home for UH Athletics. Like Dayon mentioned, we are talking about the football team. We're talking about the men's basketball team. Now it's on to talk to the women's basketball team who similar. Uh, well, no, I take that back. Not similar to the men's. They opened the season on Tuesday and a good uh, completely good the lopsided. <laughs> they opened up Tuesday <laughs> op- with the similar they, to the men's. Yeah. They opened up Tuesday similar to the men, but it yep. was it was completely different in terms of how that game turned out. They were completely in control Dominant. against yep. Howard and really a, a good type of game for, for Ron Huey and his staff where he was able to play his entire team that had suited up for the yep. game. They got a lot of good minutes. They got a, a good CS, especially with a lot of the new additions that they had had gone to the team and uh, kind of a good game to kind of get your feet wet and, and get a better feel for, for, you know, who they have on their roster against different opponents after, you know, how long training camp is, how long it has to practice throughout entire October. I'm sure they love to, to finally get, get started on the season. Then on Friday, they, they traveled up uh, to, 
what road do you have to take to get to, to Nacogdoches? <laughs> Dehan, do you know that? Which road you have to take to Nacogdoches? I do not. I do not. Well, I've, they, been, they, I've been there once, but it was a long time ago. <laughs> they, they traveled up north to get to Nacogdoches to, to play Stephen of Austin, who actually it was a rematch of last season where Houston played them here in Houston, and they were able to, to pull off the win against SFA. Unfortunately for, for the women's basketball team, they, that was not the case when they had to travel up to SFA last night or yeah, last night on Friday, where, I mean, honestly, for the first part of the game, they, they did well. They, they seemed like they, they held an early advantage and then towards halftime and into the second half, it was a completely change of scripts where really the lady Jacks completely took over the game and, and the score ended up being a lopsided affair, but um, I think it was interesting when when you look at the final stats scoring down. I'm, I'm going to ask you real quickly what what your takeaways was first from that first game of the season that you got the call and and against Stephen F. Austin, who for all intents and purposes they're going to be one of those high teams in on the women's college uh, the women's co- college basketball side where they're they're going to be competing up there for an NCAA tournament bid uh, for the entire season. But what have you seen from this women's basketball team early and, and specifically some of the returning players and, and Tierra Young, who seems to be one of the key new faces that uh, it's hard to say this early on, but at least through the first two games, it seems like she's going to be one of the key factors for this women's basketball team. Yeah, I think she will. And she struggled in the first two games. And from what I saw in the first game, I saw Houston um, play the brand of basketball that they like to play as far as getting out and pressuring their opponent causing them to turn the ball over and getting out in transition and sharing the basketball. They did an outstanding job sharing the basketball and, and going into their second game against SFA. That's, that's one of the things that I think they didn't do well enough was share the basketball when they share the basketball. Cause they have a plethora of players who can beat you and, and score. And so when everyone gets to touch it, because you have so many threats that can score the basketball I think it only makes them really good as a team but the one thing that really really hurt them was turnovers themselves they had 31 turnovers SFA and it's hard to win when you turn the ball over 31 times you only have six assists that that you you can't win many games doing that and I think that I mean their depth is good Tierra Young I, I definitely agree she she will and when all said and done have a, a I feel like have a good season she just struggled in these two games uh, I, I don't know really know what it is I think she's just maybe still getting acclimated to the system but that's just like basketball you have good games then you have bad games you may have a bad stretch and I'm sure she hasn't played to the standard I know that she has because I can see the talent I saw it in the exhibition you can still see it on the floor the shots just haven't fall or it's a tip pad just things haven't went her way but they can't turn the ball over like the way that they did and they have to share the basketball I think Diamond Gladney is an X factor as far as scoring she's probably their most unselfish player as far as the willingness to pass the basketball. But when she scores and she's making shots and just creating for her teammates, I, I think they're a different team. The team just looks different. She isn't the the most 
natural score on their team or even the best score. So that's why it's, it's kind of tricky because you have other players who can go one-on-one and, and get a bucket or maybe a better score overall. But it's just something about when she scores the basketball, those it opens the floor even up because they have to guard even her as well as the other threats that they have. And Houston, really, they just didn't make shots as well. Uh, although the turnovers plagued them, they didn't make many shots against SFA. Brittany Onyeze, she struggled shooting the basketball. And so it's just one of those games. It was not a good game. They lost by 21 points. That's huge. And they they really pulled away in the the fourth quarter. They won the fourth quarter 22 to 10. Houston only scored 10 points in the third quarter, in the fourth quarter, excuse me. And so – a lopsided game, but they get a chance to bounce back um, real quickly. They have a game against UT Arlington coming up on Wednesday. Yeah, I think for for the women's perspective, especially since it's so much earlier, I think UH uh, head coach Ron Huey and his staff is going to be, they're going to have their work cut out for them just in terms of, you know, when you look at a lot of the players, they, they're returning a lot of players from last season. And I, I'm looking down their roster, you get he's got to figure out a way to fit Layla Blair, who after Julia Blackshaw fair got injured with their suffering her ACL injury last season, she moved up and, and was that starter for, for a good stretch of that season. That's really where she kind of found her identity and was able to be much more comfortable in that role. And Erica Sydney as well. She had a lot of good minutes um, down the roster and you look at, they bring in back Blackshell Fair, who first day on, I'll ask you, what have you seen from her early on in terms of how she's been able to come back after suffering that season ending injury uh, a season ago? And also, what do you feel in terms of how Layla Blair and Erica Sidney have been with their roles? Because they're playing a little bit different from what they had, certainly down the stretch of the last season when they kind of caught fire and went on that winning streak to make that push for um, falling just short of the NCAA tournament. What have you seen from from those players? Well, starting with Julia Blackshell Fair, I, I you can't really tell that she tore her ACL. You just can tell by because she wears that big knee brace. As far as her play, I think she's she's played well. She's been aggressive because she's one another one of those players who is important for her to collapse the defense and break down the defense to get inside the middle of the paint and kick it out to those shooters and set up some of her teammates. She's just a natural playmaker as well. But as far as um, her, she looks good on the floor. She's still defending. I think defensively is where I may see any, uh, any slowness. I don't know if it's the knee brace. Maybe she can't move with her lateral quickness. Maybe it's slowed down. But as far as her explosiveness or willing to break down her, ability to break down the defense you can't really tell that she's tore her ACL and and Layla Blair and Erica Sidney both of those they're they're coming both of them coming off the bench and it was interesting to see how he would play that especially with Julia coming off that injury I thought Layla would have started but Julia and Hillis played well like I said she's still in that starting lineup and um, Layla just came off the bench. And Layla really struggled against SFA. She had seven turnovers, the most turnovers on the team. And and for her, I think that's the, just that next step from her is slowing down a little bit and reading the defense. With the way she can score the basketball, she can be a threat to score 
use her threat to score and play make for her teammates because she's the player that can break down the defense at any time one-on-one and get inside and, and create. And I think at times, whether it's on a pick and roll or whether it's kicking to a shooter or in transition, it, it seems like maybe she has her mind made up to score instead of just slowing down and using her scoring ability to play make for her teammates. And I think that's the, what you see from great players. They know that they can get theirs at any time. They get everyone else involved, and then they get theirs when it's time to get busy in crunch time. And she's only a sophomore, or technically still a freshman because of the COVID year, so a young player. That's, but Erica Sidney, uh, the grad senior, she she's played well in spurts. She can really, really shoot the basketball she made a three against SFA and she only had three points I think they I want to see her personally to be a little bit more aggressive to score coming off their bench and in that second unit just uh, being a little bit more aggressive because she she can really score that's what I would like to see from her but as far as shooting the basketball against Howard they were able to make made nine threes they were nine from 24 and against um sfa they were three of 16 so they're they haven't been knocking down a three ball at a high clip and but the, but they have to keep shooting because they have really good shooters and so i just just going forward it's just a regroup against ut arlington i think that's a game i'm sure they're gonna want to come out and bounce back Against this loss against the SFS, and let's get this not don't get it um wrong because SFA made the tournament last year. Houston beat them in a close game in the Fertitta Center last year, and so a loss to SFA isn't bad. It's not a bad loss on your resume. It's just being Houston. I, I, you expect well, I would expect Houston to go in and win, especially with the amount of talent. But it's just a bad game, like we just talked about for all the different reasons. And so, uh, still a lot of time, a lot, a lot of talent on this team. I think Coach Huey's still figuring out the rotations, which who plays well with who, and who deserves who deserves what time on the floor. But early season, I, 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 I like what I see from them. Yeah, for sure. And I think, like I mentioned, it's overall, it's just Ron Huey. He has to figure out, he has to juggle a lot of these players, a lot of these new players, bringing back, mixing them in with the the core that they had. I mean, it's it's a bit weird because Julia Blackshaw Fair has been here for a while, but it's kind of, uh, it's kind of like she's a new player in the sense that they, they got used to a certain rotation and now they have to figure out a way to plug her back in. And like you mentioned, um, making sure that Layla Blair and, and Erica Sidney also have their roles as well. I mean, Erica Sidney only played seven minutes in that game against Stephen F. Austin. That's that's uh, certainly a big change from what she had expected down the stretch last season. So I think it's just going to be an adjustment period uh, for all these players and the coaches too to figure out what kind of are the best lineups to be effective. Like you mentioned, they're, they're going to have a good uh, opportunity to bounce back on Wednesday against UT Arlington. Then they follow that up with a game against New Mexico at home before they have to go over to the Cancun challenge, where, like you mentioned, this is going to be three games where they're going to be put to the test. They have to play Arizona State, who they they played in the WNIT a season ago, and they actually beat. And then, obviously, of course, that that headline game right there is that November 27th against Baylor. We know what Baylor and their women's hoops program is known for. And even then, their non-conference schedule doesn't get any easier after that because they'll have – 
to travel to Alabama. So they're going to be put to the test. He's similar to the men's Ron Huey has said the same thing on this show before. And in general, whenever he has opportunity to speak with reporters, uh, he's not backing down from anyone either. And he loves these challenges. He wants to put his team to the test. And like we mentioned, just certainly a veteran, <clears throat> a veteran led group from the women's perspective. And they're going to be, um, tested early. They already had to face their first tough team in Steven and Boston. Like you mentioned, they're a tournament bound team They're They've been at a high level for, for a while now and certainly not a bad loss, but certainly one that they would love to at the very least be more competitive in. And certainly yeah. have felt like they, they're, they feel like they're at the level of Steven and Boston and it's probably more of, they have, they have some stuff that they have to figure out. Yep, yep, for sure. Just a letdown with they get a chance to bounce back, like you said. And one player who's been playing well and Coach Huey said is the rock of the team this year is Bria Patterson. He said Bria is the rock uh, to what to what they do defensively. She really ignites the, their um, 55 defense, their full court press. And um, she's the positionless player who can do everything on the offensive end, get the defensive rebound and, and push the ball up the court. She can score in the post and on the outside, knock it down at three. And she played – she was the best player on the floor against SFA. So she continues to play well. She got in foul trouble against Howard, and that limited her time on the floor, but they still were able to dominate. But if she can not get in foul trouble, continue to play well, she is another key component – this women's basketball team going forward and a, a lot of big tests um it's good they don't want to not get in because they didn't play um the uh, an amount of good enough teams or because they expect to play well in conference and their conference really get in their respect based on how um it played out for them last season so now you you played the tough opponents like sfa who you played last year now then you, now you play new mexico and the Baylors and everyone else you mentioned. And so just continue to put together, get the chemistry of this new year, new team, new faces, a lot of, a lot of new pieces that Coach Huey has is to figure out how he wants to use them and how they work together. And so the women's program got to bounce back, though, in their next game against UT Arlington. Yeah, for sure. And, and like you mentioned, it, it, it honestly, it's kind of a tough spot that they're going to be in because like you mentioned, they, they put together a really good non-conference schedule, but it's so early in the season, especially with, like you mentioned, the amount of players that they're bringing back, new additions, uh, certain uh, instances uh, trying to figure out what the best rotation is, but they have to figure it out kind of quickly and, and put together some strong wins there in non-conference just to have a chance to be able to, to be up there in NCAA tournament consideration, which honestly, it, it, it kind of sucks for them, but it's, it's something that they have to figure out either that or just go out there and win the American athletic conference tournament come March. But um, for sure, all the, already they're going to get put to the test and it's something that they should get better over time. But uh, honestly, it's kind of a bit unfair, but they have to figure it out relatively quickly as well. So that's that's just the life of college basketball. But that's going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. We'd greatly appreciate it. And also be sure to follow Apollo HOU for blogs, merch, video, podcasts, and more original Houston sports content not found anywhere else. Don't forget to follow me, Dayan Dunlap, that's D-A-Y-O-N-D-U-N-L-A-P. Be sure to tune in to all of these Houston sports are on national TV, but particularly the women's home games. I'll call those national 
well, not national televised. They're broadcasting on ESPN Plus. Me and my partner, Matt Peterson. And um, as always, go Coops. <laughs>